back, welcome back, welcome back to yet another episode of an Involved Review. I'm your host, James Caleb Kitchens, and as always, I'm joined with none other than the man who consumes more wrestling content than anyone in the known universe, the Mater D of the Stovall Network, the man himself, Caleb Stovall. How's it going, man? It is uh, it's going good. It is true. I consume more wrestling content. I consume more wrestling content than Trump supporters consume more of his bullshit. That's uh, that's. And that's a lot. <laughs> you know, I didn't think we were going to get racy on here and, and, and political, but here we are. Here we are, folks. I don't get a single shit. Uh, <laughs> it's the only comment I make. <laughs> hey, we're at it. All right. So, um, yeah, man, we're back. Uh, lots of things going on in the wrestling world, and, and we're going to touch on a few of them. Uh, the format's not any different than, you know, the weeks past we've been doing and uh, so what we're doing here is we're going to cover some really hot topics in wrestling today, and then we're going to go and uh, talk a little bit more about the next part of the Pure Tournament that we've been covering over the last couple of months. Um, yeah, man. Uh, you know, the first thing I want to talk about, I just want to hit on this. Uh, for for those of our listeners, viewers that are in the Southeast, really awesome announcement just came out. Uh, by the time this airs, it'll be old news, but none other than Viral Pro Wrestling is coming back. After 14 long months, April 17th, uh, 2021, will be the return date of Viral Pro. Uh, I am incredibly excited about it. I wish I could say anything at all more than the date. Uh, you saw the video play all over social media. Uh, the date's there. The We're Back is there. And that's all I can spill at this point in time. Uh, but... Let, let me just say, and I've probably said this about every show, right? But but I really, really mean it this time. It is going to be a barn burner. It is going to be a spotlight stealer. It is going to be it's going to be a show. Um, and I know I know that you've been looking forward to it as well. I've been very much looking forward to it, man. Um, Viral Pro Wrestling is uh, is really where I cut my teeth in the uh, in the announcing part of it, which is what I've been wanting to do for a long time. And uh, you gave me that opportunity and the show. And here's the thing of uh, what's so good about viral pro wrestling is that you make my job so easy on commentary to get excited on it. You know, I, I can lose myself in the action and everything like that. Viral is just amazing. And uh, it's been uh, it, it's been interesting without it, man. And, and we were on such a roll. When, uh, you know, before the pandemic, you know, kind of changed everything. But um, I'm excited to get back to it, man. I'm excited to be back at the commentary table with uh, Ace. And uh, the, the, it should just be amazing, man. And uh, I'm really interested to see uh, what you got up your sleeve. Because uh, your man, Darius Lockhart, from what I understood, was, you know... I, I don't know. Uh, he, he he was about to lose the uh, um, Viral Pro Wrestling Championship because Joshua Hancock, uh, I believe, said that all titles are going to be stripped. So I'm interested to see what you've got up your sleeve about that. Well, you know, here's what I said. You know, I told, I told <laughs> Mr. Hancock that he could come and take those titles over our dead bodies. And uh, <laughs> as far as I know, myself and all the other members of the unknown are quite alive and quite ready to return and show everyone uh, why we are still on top. But more on that when, when viral does come back, we got two months to go, um, but I'm ready for it. And 
lots of news is coming out uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, if it hasn't already come out by the time that this airs, uh, we have a lot of surprises up our sleeve. Speaking of surprises on a national scale, uh, this may be a bigger topic tonight than the actual Ring of Honor stuff that we're going to talk about, because I know that you and I probably have varying opinions on it, um, and I know that it is, you know, it may go against everything I'm going to say tonight to for me to say this, but this is arguably the biggest topic in the wrestling community right now, and this is the crossover between AEW, New Japan, and Impact Wrestling. Now, before we dig into it too much, I you know, I've heard it called the MCU of wrestling, and I don't think that that's appropriate because it's like anytime anything crosses over in any capacity, you know, people want to make the MCU reference. But at this point in time, I mean, isn't it more like the CW of wrestling? You know, <laughs> that's I've just my opinion. <laughs> that was perfect. That's my, I mean, that's my opinion. I, and I know that you view it a little bit differently. And let, let me preface it by saying that I think that it's great. Like to me, like I, you know, like when Kenta shows up and unmasked as like, oh, I just attacked John Moxley, and you know, we know that they've got a, a a prestigious championship match, you know, in New Japan and everything. Whatever, okay. I know about this, but like most of these people that are watching at home don't know who fucking Hideo Itami is. They sure as hell don't know who Kenta is. You know, and 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 that's my thing. It's like. I wish that these arenas were actually full of people so that because because I'm gonna tell you right now, had there been fifty thousand people in that in that arena, now I've watched a lot of wrestling, I've booked a lot of wrestling, I've been to a lot of wrestling events. Had there been fifty thousand people in that arena, when he comes out and attacks Moxley, there would have been a big reaction. When he takes the mask off, you probably could have heard a pin drop in the place. I think that's exactly how it would have gone. Could I go one step further with that? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. What if that was at that show in Atlanta that we went to? I mean, yeah, I think it's, I think it's similar, man. I, I don't think there's that many people that, I mean, if you look at the ratings, right? I mean, when you talk, when you talk about impact, you talk about uh, new Japan. I mean, how many people in the U S are watching those products? So I don't think AEW's crossover with them is doing them any good. It it also doesn't do them any good, and, and this is maybe a tangent, but in the past 48 hours, three major representatives of AEW have talked to the press or, or voiced on social media, yeah, sure, a crossover with WWE could happen. Yeah, let's do it. That's that, There's no way in hell that Vince McMahon or Triple H, or Stephanie agree to do that for the same reason that AEW should have never done it with New Japan and, and Impact. If I'm the big fish, uh, let's take it down to an indie level, right? If th it, This would be like me coming out at Viral Pro and talking about anyone else, right? 
I, now, if I come out there and talk about a show that I don't think is even in our league, all I'm doing is I'm ex- I'm taking free advertising. I'm exposing them, our audience that we have worked hard to get. I'm exposing them to this other product. And if I think that the other product is on the same level as us or or better than us, which I don't think that about anybody for the record, that last bit, <laughs> then I, I'm free advertising for them. And I'm saying, hey, go look over here. I'm shining yeah. a, a spotlight on that promotion. And I think that's what AEW is doing here with New Japan and with Impact. These programs exist. It's not hard to get a hold of them and watch them. But people aren't. And I don't think I don't think people are interested. And I, I it, it's really my belief that the the there's two things carrying the AEW ratings right now. And I think that it's, uh, I think that it's largely Cody Rhodes, right? And then I think that it's also largely Sting, because what they've done with Sting already is better than everything WWE ever did with Sting. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's very but true. That was probably true when he came out the first time. Yeah, um, I mean, okay, so here's my thing about the crossover right now is what are they trying to accomplish? Right. Is, is the bigger question. If you're looking at it from, are they trying to create some sort of wrestling feud, like, like a little wrestling storyline or, or uh, anything to get the fans uh, involved in something like that? Um, well, then you're not doing a very good job of it right now because the only one that has done anything on Impact is Kenny Omega and Private Party. Um, and other than that, they've done nothing else. Um, so I, I'm not sure what the, I guess, end result is supposed to be. But then again, are they trying, like, is Tony Khan basically trying to be Jim Crockett back in the day? You know, uh, Jim Crockett was, you know, when you think of the NWA, you really just think of Jim Crockett, do you not? Right. You think of you think of the 86 run of the National Wrestling Alliance, which was all Mid-Atlantic and World Championship Wrestling uh, back in the day. Is he trying to do something like that where Jim Crockett started going out and buying other promotions, kind of like Vince was? Uh, Crockett bought. Uh, Mid-South, which was a bad deal in and of itself back in the day, and uh, you can get into that on on anything. But, um, I mean, because that's my thing. Is Tony Khan trying to buy Impact Wrestling? I I can tell you right now he he is not going to buy New Japan Pro Wrestling right now. There's no way in hell that thing's going to sell anytime soon. It didn't sell 50 years ago, you know, like, so. Yeah. I don't think you can. I, I think that there's stuff in place that would prevent a, um, a foreign entity from buying new Japan. I don't think they're able to, um, yeah. but here's my concern about all this. And, and, and anybody who watches this show, like I am critical, very heavily critical of AEW, but let me tell you why. I'll tell you why I'm critical of AEW. I want them to excel, right? Because you know me. I certainly am not having any fucking fun watching WWE anything. 
No, and, and, hey, and hey, you 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 always say that I consume more wrestling product than anyone, which is true. Uh, what have I been telling you about WWE for months? Right. I mean, it's garbage, dude. I, I want AEW to succeed because if they fail, no one is ever, and I mean ever, going to try this again. Yeah. Like, right now, this whole wrestling is back on TNT, you know, we we took WCW and we r- raised it from the grave and there's new people and, you know, we're running it. It's a different thing now and it's new and it's fresh and it's different and we're not trying to just be WWE. We're trying to be our own thing and... If that fails, how many how many wrestling obsessed, indie rific obsessed billionaires do you think there are to pull from? True. That are just gonna throw infinite money at pro wrestling. They hit the jackpot on this. This should have never happened. Without Cody Rhodes, it doesn't happen. I mean, let, let's be honest. If Vince McMahon never got rid of Cody Rhodes, there would be no AEW today. Do you agree? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, And and the reason is, nobody is going to... Like, the Young Bucks and Adam Page and Kenny Omega aren't walking up to anybody and going, hey, you want to give us a bunch of money to start a, you know, A-level national pro wrestling company? (laughs) No. I, I, and, and, and I can agree with that because I mean, like, you know, us covering uh, the ROH pure tournament, you know, ring of honor has been around for so long and they've proven that they can put out a pretty good uh, quality product. And yet they're not really on TV, you know, they're on Sinclair broadcasting, but who the hell really gets that, you know? Right. Most people that watch it probably watch it on fight. Yeah, exactly. If they watch it at all, you know, kind of thing. Uh, you know, th- that's always been my question about Ring of Honor. Is it, you know, good enough for people to want to go and search for? Uh, th- th- that can be debated as as we go along. But and and I agree with you with the AEW point. And that's why I get pissed at people for being so critical, because it's like, oh, my God, can anyone, you know, uh, succeed in this day and age kind of thing? And and I think for the most part, AEW is doing fine as far as, far as pay-per-view buys. I think that their ratings are okay for right now. You know, he, here's the thing. Let's be honest. I don't think anyone's going to show an accurate good rating right now in the COVID era. I just, it, it, it's just not going to happen. Unless you're on Netflix or you're on one of the streaming services, well, you're not going to you're not going to show those kind of ratings, you know, but I think for the ratings that they get so far for, uh, for how they've handled the pandemic situation, I think it's been good. um, As far as all that, my problems with AEW, which I think people have uh, figured this out by now is, is I really hated the fact that you told us, you told us from sun up to sundown when this thing first launched that you wanted a sports-based presentation. You wanted pro wrestling. For the most part on the first few shows, we got that a good bit. When it started to go awry in my opinion was when you had shit like The Dark Order 
and you had um, the stadium stampede match and and shit like that. It's it's and and then like you know really with the uh, the uh, dinner debonair, um, that's when I roll my eyes and go, okay, now that's WWE. That's what right. WWE is attempting to do right now, and it's I don't want to see that. Right. I get that it's entertaining, and it is entertaining at times. Because here's the thing: some people might have uh, thought that Jericho MJF thing was stupid. I actually found it pretty entertaining. But at the same time, I'm sitting there just like, "But this isn't, you know, wrestling." You right. know, if if I wanted to go see that, I'd turn on, you know, YouTube or something like that. It, it, it's just that's not what I want to see. That's what WWE is attempting to do. I don't want to get off on a WWE tangent, but you know, just the other night, I saw what you I saw what you said about Randy Orton uh, on our last, uh, I, I believe it was the last episode that we recorded. But Randy Orton, I'll admit, he's been cutting the same style of promo forever. It's just that slow talking and everything like that. But then after that, Alexa Bliss shows up. And she's talking about the fiend, and she's clearly on a satanic symbol. Like I, I mean, it couldn't have been any more obvious. And I'm sitting there just like, see, this is stupid. I, I, I just, I, I don't understand. You know what people see when they see wrestling now. You know, like I just, I, I don't get that. And for the most part, I'll say this about AEW's booking so far: there's been a lot of missed opportunities, in my opinion. Like, for example, I don't know why Cody is not the champion. I get that he made that stupid stipulation about he couldn't ever challenge for it. I'm going, fuck that. That's the face of the company right there. Like, I, you know, he and then there's another guy I feel as though they're missing out on. Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy Jack Perry, who's son of, you know, the late Luke Perry. That's a gold mine. The kids got the look. It, he's he's got the talent and everything like that. He should be the face. Um, you know, Adam Page. I, I don't know what they're doing with him. I, I'll admit that. I, I'm just sitting there just like, why is this guy not, you know, um, head of the card? But and, and and there's other people. I think the only person that they've done good so far is Darby Allen. I mean, what should have happened? And and this this booked itself. And I'm telling you, they did this, and anybody that listens to me on any other platform that I speak on, whether it's live stream, whether it's superhero homies, by the way, got the t-shirt on. Um, (laughs) If you're on audio, you wouldn't have known that. But (laughs) (laughs) I hate, and I mean hate, more than anything, the idea of subverting expectations storytelling. And what that is, is that's where your whole storytelling is based on the fact that you set up one thing to happen and then something else entirely happens. Okay. Wrestling people want simple stories. We've talked about this a million times on this podcast. Yes. Listen, when you go in to a wrestling show, let's, let's take that angle that they did with MJF. Okay. He has a stipulation. He can never win. The title, you know, he can never challenge for the title again if he doesn't win. Blah blah blah. MJF costs him the belt, so something should happen. I mean, what really should have happened is MJF should have gotten the belt off of Moxley, and then MJF 
should beat person after person after person. And then finally, Cody Rhodes either A, says to hell with the stipulation, or MJF goads him and goads him and goads him until finally like he ends up earning a, a championship match. This is just like, and lo and behold, like can't say this name. This is just like when Chris Benoit entered the Royal Rumble at number one. They had this whole thing with, with Lesnar where, you know, if he he ended up not being able to challenge again for the title. And, like, the Rumble was, like, his only chance. And then he ends up getting put in the Rumble at number one. So, of course, he wins. Now, he ends up challenging Triple H instead, which was a cool swerve and ended up working out for everyone. But, um, I mean, that... Like, that's an example of this same type of storyline. And they could have done that, and it would have been great. Now, they've got Cody fucking doing fuck all, all the time. Like, he's never in anything consistently. No, I I, I agree. He didn't even hold the TNT championship long enough, yeah. uh, in my opinion. Um, and, and that title, uh, it, it's an okay idea in my opinion. Um, I, I'm, I'm not really going to be, you know, critical uh, as far as all that, but, but I, I agree with you. Um, you know, I, I don't see why they went or why they don't just try and make it simple like that. Um, because I've, I've said that for a long time. I mean, look at the best stories in wrestling that have ever been told. You've got the greatest story of all time. Let's just be honest. Austin versus McMahon. Right. It's simple story it's this guy who is clearly a blue collar worker and busts his ass off to get to where he's at is being held down by the boss guess what everyone can relate to it there's 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 no other explanation for it even if you're a kid you get what the idea is same thing with uh another good story the nwo versus wcw you know, they had the whole tradition versus, you know, nuance, basically. But even if you're a kid, you still got what it was. You were like, WCW is the good guys, NWO's the bad guy. Great. Cool. That's all I need to know. Every then- wrestling faction story in history, okay? You've got your asshole guy that any of the baby faces should be able to beat him one-on-one. But they can't because he's got friends and they're also assholes. And the baby face is going to do the right thing and face the bad guys head on. Even though they constantly get the best of him, he's not going to cheat. He's going to do everything he's got to do the right way to win the championship. And the faction just keeps cheating their ass off. Every single wrestling faction ever. Mm -hmm. It's simple. It makes sense. It creates drama. It may be, you know, and you throw, you can throw some swerves in there, but you know, the whole, the whole story goes, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Everything that's ever going to be done in pro wrestling was probably already done by like 2002. Of course. You know, and you know, with this whole, you know, I want to look at the revolution card cause we're going to cover that, right? We're going to, yeah. we're going to cover that. Um, yeah. Right now, the Revolution card, and you tell me when I get done with this, if this sounds like uh, somebody who's in the middle of a crossover storyline with another promotion. Right. Okay. Um, for the AEW World Championship, we have Kenny Omega versus John Moxley in an exploding barbed wire death match. What? 
we'll we'll come back to that. We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. We're gonna address. We're gonna address it. We'll address it. No, no, no. I'm 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 kind of excited about that. (laughs) We'll address it. Okay. Next up, AEW World Tag Team Championships. Okay. The Young Bucks versus Chris Jericho and MJF. Okay. And and they're continuing that uh, inner circle thing. Right, that's fine. That's fine. Um, for the AEW Women's World Championship, um, uh, it's going to be Sheeta versus whoever wins this Eliminator tournament. That's cool. Whatever. Um, and then we have a face of the Revolution ladder match. It's going to be Cody Rhodes versus Scorpio Sky versus Penta versus three people that have not been named yet. I'm guessing qualifiers. Um, yes. And then we have Sting and Darby Allen versus Brian Cage and Ricky Starks in a street fight. I mean, we all kind of knew this was, you know, that's, that was like one of the first things announced, I feel. Yeah. Um, and I'm, and I'm excited about that. Cause I'll be honest, I'll be a sting mark to the day I die. Me too. That's the money <laughs> match on this whole card, I think. And then right. we have Hangman Page versus Matt Hardy in a, whatever the fuck a big money match is. Okay. Okay. First off, 70% of this card sounds like there were no adults in the room. (laughs) It sounds like a complete gimmick card. Right. Everything's got some silly fucking gimmick. And, I mean, except for the AEW uh, tag match, in which case both of the teams in the match are the gimmick. Because I'm going to tell you right now, out of those four people, and I hate to say this, MJF is the only person I care to see right now. The Young Bucks, they're, they're, doing the, they're doing the exact same shit that they were doing 10 years ago. And I thought it was cool then. I don't think it's cool now. And then Chris Jericho, in my humble opinion, either needs to do some Undertaker-level conditioning to get himself back into ring shape, or he needs to retire from in-ring performing, or at least get a much, much smaller schedule. You know, maybe have him come in, you know, maybe he trains and then comes in and works up, you know, the their major pay-per-views. You know, make him a big attraction, because he shouldn't be wrestling on Dynamite on a regular basis. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with that, too. And plus, one of the things I'm getting so sick of is clearly the uh, workers at ringside just really amping on the sing-along. Like, it's like, okay, the sing-along is okay every now and then, but, like, he's a damn heel. Like, yeah. people should not be singing his theme song. I, yeah. I, I, and, I mean, I, I get it. Like, they're going to sing the theme forever. Yeah, but and that's fine. But, you know, it's just like the workers at ringside. It's like, come on, like really sell the fact that we hate this guy. Right. And Well, that's the thing, too, is we're going to see all the holes in all this fucking booking when the workers you paid to be at ringside and cheer and the piped in crowd Thunderdome noise when that shit is gone. We are going to see where all the holes are. And I think that they will be a plenty. 
Now, now, can, can we? Can I also bring up that point though as well? That some of this could also be a tribute to the fact that we are in a COVID area er, sure. era, sure. and the fact of like you might think that you have a good idea when you're booking. But right now, you can't tell what's a good idea. You can't really tell who's over right now. Like, that's the problem that WWE and really everyone has in wrestling right now. They're just like, well, we don't really know who's over right now because there's no cheers. There's no merchandise sales, you know, kind of thing. So, well, there are merch sales. I mean, there are merch sales. Online, yes. But that's all they have to go off of. The, here's the thing. AEW can't tell who's over, right? Because they can't hear the crowd. WWE wasn't listening to the crowd 10 years ago, so they sure as hell don't care. I mean, it's no different for them. They well, decide They decide who's over, whether they're very, over or not, you know? Well, now with in, in this day and age, they really can choose that. Like, like right. they really can just, you know, choose who's over in WWE. But as far as AEW is concerned, you know, I mean – Maybe they do have plans eventually to push someone like a Jungle Boy or like a Darby Allen even more so than he is now. And it's like, hey, we're going to wait for just a little bit so that when we get those crowds back, we can really start to push them or something like that. I, I don't know. But, you know, I, I, I think I could give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to that. But at the same time, I mean, you read to me that Revolution card, and I'm not going to lie, I'm still very excited about a lot of that card, um, and I'm not going to lie, the Exploding Barbed Wire match, while I hate it, I love it kind of thing, it, it, does that make any sense? Like, it, it's like... It's not going to be done well. I Yeah, I don't think it will be either, but we're going to see, because... I've always said this, which, I mean, if, if you put too much of a ridiculous stipulation on it, uh, I, I can see where it goes awry. But I thought at first when I heard that Omega and Moxley are going to tangle, I thought, well, you could have stories for days with those two because they're just they're, they're two of those wrestlers that are really creative in the ring. I know you say things about Omega, but I'm, I'm just saying from a creative standpoint, He's just like like the two of them could come up with things to do for days. So yeah. it's kind of like I, I was I was very interested in that. It's just some of the ways it's being done. It's like what? Like I, I don't get the end result here. Um, well, yeah, I mean Kenny Omega has a ton of different things he could do. Like he could hit you with six V triggers or seven or eight or nine. He's got. Tons of options there. I'm not talking. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about the damn moves or anything. I was just. <laughs> I just I'm, love the hypocrisy of the fact that, like, and, and I'm like this too. But so many people talked about like Cena with the five moves of doom, and that you know the IWC hated him for it and everything. And then it's like, okay, but. Kenny Omega does the fucking V trigger like seventy six thousand times. It, it and it 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 loses all of its impact. It's just like Reigns with the Superman punch. Yeah, you know? I, I and I can agree with that. I'm 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 not gonna say that, but I'm I'm just saying he has a very creative mind 
when it comes to putting together matches. Here's what yeah. I think is going to happen. You might not see it, but I mean, I do. <laughs> here's just... what here's what I think is going to happen. This is my prediction. Okay. This match is going to end in some kind of fucked way, and they are going to set up for Omega and Okada in the states in AEW. Which I would not be opposed to. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not opposed to it. And because... I'll say this: if you get Okada. I mean, Okada is where the money was at in those matches. Right. Okada is the reason that those matches are so legendary because his matches with everyone are legendary. Um, I, I think Okada is a draw if you get a United States audience to know who he is. Right? I think he is a draw. And maybe having him and Kenny Omega go out there and have a fucking barn burner is, is worth it. I don't I don't know. I I I know I would watch it, and I can't stand Kenny Omega at all. Yeah, at all. Um, I I would I at this point in time, he is probably lower than just about anyone on WWE's roster to me. Omega, and, yes, and oh. and that is fucking terrible. Uh, I don't agree with you on that, but we're going to have to agree to disagree on that. I, I would rather watch heel Reigns than Omega. Because I actually kind of like heel Roman Reigns. Well, I, I do too. And and that has a lot to do with, you know, he's with Paul Heyman and everything like that. And so they took I, the stupid fucking vest off of him. Which he, I always said, I was like, why the hell is this guy even in a vest? He's Why is he selling chops through a fucking bulletproof vest? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I I I don't know, but what about the idea though of AEW kind of trying to be like the NWA, where it's kind of like it, it's kind of like a territory system in a way, and but it it all comes down to AEW is the big show, and that's the one that you want to get, you know the title from, but they have a traveling champion or something like that. Could that be what they're going for? Maybe. I don't think it works today. I, I think, I think the, the, the thing you do here, I mean, let's say they buy impact, right? You're only getting the tape library. There's no one there of any fucking use. You would, but you would get an extra uh, hour of television. Right. And so maybe they take impacts slot and maybe they make, sort of a NXT type developmental setup or something. I don't know. Um, I, I don't want to speculate on it because we will be here all night. I just know that what they're doing now, like it's not evident to anyone who the guy is in AEW. I agree. And, and that's problematic. Um, if there is a, the guy it's Kenny Omega and like, I'm telling you right now, this is the only time that he should ever be have that title is when they have empty arenas. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the guy does not get a great live reaction. Certain parts of the country, maybe, but when him when the, when they still had live audiences and he and Hangman were were tagging and they were coming out separately, it was Hangman that was getting the bigger reactions yes. by a mile. 
and they yeah. sent the wrong guy to the top of the card. They sent Marty Jannetty to the top of the card, and they got Shawn Michaels in the big money match with Matt Hardy. <laughs> That's a good example. <laughs> but I and and here's the thing: I, I agree with you to an extent. You know, maybe they could be building up for in the long run. It'll be Hangman Page versus Omega for the title or something, which could work if done right. I don't know about Don Callis though being Kenny Omega's butt boy, pretty much. <laughs> like nobody even nobody even knows who the hell like nobody really knows who Don Callis. I mean, I, I, like your hardcore people do, but I just yeah. don't. I don't know. I I don't know. I I think people forget that he was even in the WWE as the Jekyll. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I, I think we've run this to death. Yeah. Let's talk about something we actually like. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some Ring of Honor. It's it's on the marquee there. We at least need to we at least do need to get around to it. Um Yes. Ring of Honor, and I have written down here number four seventy three uh is what we're talking about here. Uh this is the first two matches in the second round. We are now through the first round of the sixteen man tournament. Only eight men remain. And we're covering the first two matches in round two. Um, this was a good episode. Uh, I had some issues with it, uh, but we'll go into that. Um, I wondered how they were going to fill an hour uh, if they didn't have these lengthy, you know, buildups between both guys at the beginning. Because I'm like, surely they're not going to have a long form interview with both participants again. They've already told us about themselves. They've already talked about who they are and what they're doing here. And we really don't want to hear them say, I am going to become the pure champion, you know, you, over and over and over and over. Right. So they, they put together these like highlights that kind of uh, showed their first matches. And there were some promos, little short bits that were interspersed in there. Some of it was from their previous promo segments. Um, I liked that. I did not like that they threw in the random I don't know who these people are promo and spontaneous hardcore match in the middle. Uh, that was just like, I, I had no interest. I fast forwarded through that shit. Uh, I watched the promo. I saw the attack. And then when I realized that it wasn't just a promo and an attack, I was like, no, 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 I'm good. I, I want to see Gresham. And Seidel. So, are you talking about uh, with uh, Matt Taven? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. They they were uh, kind of continuing uh, um, a feud that kind of happened when uh, the Kingdom broke up, which was the faction with Matt Taven and uh, um, oh, I forget the guy's name uh, off the top of my head, but. Uh, that's going to come into play, actually, though, during the pure tournament. I will tell you this. Uh, Matt Taven has an amazing lifting DDT. That looked amazing. Uh, and he does it into the crossface, which yeah. is cool. But anyway, that I, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about that. Let's go to the actual tournament. Uh, our matches tonight, Jay Lethal and Finley. And then we have uh, Gresham and Matt Seidel. Uh, I was just really excited to cover these. Um, yes. Jay Lethal, David Finley. Uh, they came out, and 
I don't know which of the two matches I was most excited about. If I had to pick one, it's probably Gresham and Seidel. Just that was because, the one I would say. <laughs> yeah, my knowledge of David Finley is really what I've seen in this tournament for the most part. Um, yeah. The start of this match was very slow to me. L- let me tell you what I wrote down. Um, there's a point in the match where Finley hits an amazing spear and then he does a combo off of the spear into an Indian deathlock. Yeah. Loved this. To me, this is where the match picks up. And it's all uphill from that segment. But prior to that point, I, I thought the pace was very slow. They weren't telling much of a story. It was like it was like they were just trying to build up tension to get to this point. And I don't have a problem with a long-form story being told. That's yeah. fine. But I, I feel like they should have done something interesting uh, to get to that to that point. Uh, what did you think about the, the first part of this match? Um, I, I did think it was a little slow um, uh, in ways. Um, I, I guess it didn't really bother me. Uh, that much um but i'm i'm such a big fan of jay lethal in ring of honor i really am i just think that he has done some of his best in ring work here in ring of honor um by far i mean he did some in tna but let's be honest uh in tna people mostly know him for being black machismo and doing uh the greatest probably one of the greatest back and forth promos you'll ever see between him and Ric Flair, where he was imitating Flair right in front of his face. Um, I mean, that's still to this day, find me a more entertaining promo than that. And I'll call you a liar. It was amazing. Yes. It it was amazing. But just in ring of honor, you know, his in ring work just went up, you know, several notches and everything like that. So I'm such a big fan of him that, you know, I, I kind of don't really see like how slow it was or anything like that, but I can see that because I, I was kind of thinking that at one point, but then the match really picked up, but it was funny because it, it, it was like all that slow action and then it goes to commercial and then it picks up for like two minutes and comes back and the match is over. <laughs> from yeah. Commercial. Yeah, um, I really loved the, uh, the, you know, once we get to the spear, because to me, I'm thinking, okay, this is the first match in round two. So you, as, as, as a company and as performers, you have to show some elevation from round one, right? This is two right. people that made it through round one. So this match has got to be more spectacular than what mm-hmm. happened in round one. It's got to be hard to Right. And so they did a slow build, which I don't necessarily agree with. But once they hit that point in the match, everything picks up. We get a bunch of stuff on the outside, which we haven't had a lot of that in the tournament thus far. They've really been keeping it inside the ring. So we get a bunch of outside action. We've got Lethal selling the leg. We've got Finley working the leg. Dude, I'm going to tell you, uh, there's a point where... Lethal goes to the top, and I fucking died. This might be the best commentary line in this whole thing. You remember, last couple episodes, I've been writing down a Caprice Coleman line. Yes. And and here he goes, are we going to see Hail to the King? And then he doesn't do the move, and he says, no, it's Hail to the Gnaw. I fucking (laughs) 
my mind. <laughs> Dude, Coleman is amazing. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, he is amazing. And him and uh, Rickaboni. Rickaboni! <laughs> I, I just wish I had gotten to see uh, Caprice Coleman and Darius Lockhart as a tag team on the Indies before Coleman signed with the Ring of Honor. Uh, because that just would have, I mean, that I, I've seen video of it, but he was with Lockhart, yes, yes, because I know he was with Cedric, yep, yep, but, but he I teamed with Lockhart for a little bit after Cedric got signed. Wow, that's awesome, yeah, yeah, it, it is. Um, anyway, you know, it, it looks like I think they did a really good job here where Lethal's selling the leg, selling the leg, selling the leg, and it looks like. Finley's going to get him, but he hits that lethal injection. I hate to use the phrase out of nowhere um, <laughs> and gets the win. I And it was good. I thought we were going to get a falsy there. But yeah. But yeah, but and, and I've liked that the most about Ring of Honor through this pure tournament. It's one of the things I really liked about the NWA when they made their return on uh, the YouTube uh, studio show. Um, it was one of the things I really liked about it because it was like somebody's finisher is actually the finish of the match, right. which is the point of them, you know? <laughs> like, right. That is the problem I'll say with, again, AEW in a lot of ways. It's like I'll see guys hit their move 50 times uh, before the match is over, and it's like – what the fuck? Like, what? What is? What is a? What is a finisher anymore? Yeah, no one cares. Um, so, it was. It, it was good. It was a good match. I loved that. That was the finish. Yeah, I I I agree completely. Um, I I I like that part about it. I I thought it was a good uh, second round match. Um, I I agree with you. I would have started. Uh, the matchup a little bit faster pace, but that's not the way they chose to do it. So, I mean, hey, <laughs> this is what it is. But it was still a good match. Yeah, agreed. Big time. Um, so moving on to Gresham and Seidel. I thought yes. Gresham's entrance here was amazing. Yes, really both I of them. But Gresham... The presence that he has walking to the ring, it, I don't think there's very many performers in the business right now that have that kind of presence. And I love his theme song, too. Yeah, it's fantastic. Which um, is the same Jay Lethal's, but that's because they're a tag team. I didn't get to write down a lot from this match because I was, like, super focused on it, you know? Yes. <laughs> this is the best match in the tournament so far. To yes, me. yes. From the moment that it starts, I was hooked. It, it it was they did exactly what the first match really should have done. Like, I love the commentary building up the fact that neither one of these guys have used a rope break in the tournament, not in the mm -hmm. match so far, but so far in the tournament, neither one of them used a rope break. Mm -hmm. And then um, I loved. Uh, there's a spot in the match that I that really got me and this is Seidel goes for your standard leg kick that's so common on the indies now but he yeah. kicks the living shit out of Gresham and Gresham bumps off of it and it looks so devastating yes and I loved that 
I loved that. I loved that. I loved that. Please, like, someone do that at, at an indie show. Like, I I want, you know, I, I'm typically not up for people just straight ripping off someone else. But this, I mean, this was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I loved that spot. I, I pick up on little things like that, man. And I, I hone in on them because if they can imprint that moment on me to where I won't forget it, you know, we talk about this a lot wrestling. It's about making those moments, right? It's about, you know, uh, you know, watching, for example, uh, like something I won't forget is, uh, like triple H and Shawn Michaels and their Royal Rumble last man standing match. That was such a great match for the title. Uh, or like the very first elimination chamber, uh, or, you know, the second one with Goldberg spearing like Jericho through the glass or whatever. You create or the those with uh, Undertaker and Sean. That's that's possibly, or, or him and Mankind is probably yeah. one of the most famous moments in wrestling. Or you take the most famous one of all time, arguably, with, with Hogan slamming Andre. They've used it 700,000 times since. Um, the, the moments are what it's about, dude. You go back and watch that Hogan-Andre match. You probably aren't going to give a single shit about it until that moment. True. And that's the thing, man. Nobody cares. There's nobody who is watching that match live that thinks about anything about that match other than that slam. The moment stick with you. This is a small version of that where they created a moment in this match that drew me in and I won't forget about it. That's wrestling. You create moments. Um, and it, it's, it's, it can be a little thing like that. It could be a moment in a match where somebody gets the shit chopped out of them. That one's that one's overused now, but like people like James Drake can do it to the point where people still remember it, and that's still what sticks in their head. Yes, um, you know I, I use the adage all the time. This is what people talk about on the car ride home. That's the thing you want to create. Um, a couple other things I wrote down here. There's an amazing moonsault into an arm drag combo that they hit. That was it. Normally, I mean, that would just be okay. But the the smoothness of that sequence, and that was one of the things I noticed about both these guys. I know I'm gushing uh, about them, but both they're both smooth with everything, man. And I knew this about both talents, but watching them together, everything is perfect. Yes, and it's not perfect in like the the Bret Hart perfect where everything looks too smooth. They still look like they're fighting. It's not a dance, but everything looks good. Everything is yeah. crisp. Yeah, no, I, I agree with what you're saying, I, and I get what you're saying. Um, it's pretty enough to the point of like, it doesn't look like complete shit, but it uh, it doesn't look scripted either. It just it, it still looks like a fight, which is the whole point of a wrestling match is you're supposed to look like you're trying to win a match. Yeah. Exactly. And and that's what I feel like this whole tournament has been. You know, guys look like they're trying to win a wrestling matchup. They look like they're actually trying to avoid using the ropes because you can't use rope breaks, you know. The rules are in play. That's what creates a sports-based presentation. When right. you don't have those, and and I'm not saying you have to have, you know, five rope break rule or three rope break rule or anything like that in wrestling for it to mean anything. But 
you know, the rules have got to be enforced in order for there to be something, especially if you have a heel versus a face match. Now, in this one, it's face versus face. You know, um, these are just two fan favorites. They weren't really going for any of that. But if, say, like you had a heel versus a face, there needs to be something for the for the heel to break. There needs to be a rule that he needs to break for you to hate him more. Right. And art has been lost so much so in wrestling because none of the rules mean anything right. <laughs> anymore. They right. sure as hell don't mean anything in WWE. I mean, in the last man standing matchup, they stopped the damn count because that wasn't the finish. <laughs> Yeah, or you know, any any of the tag matches in AEW, you know, there are no rules. So. I, I and, and and I agree with that, you know. Um, and apparently, after this pure tournament, they've got the pure tag team championships that they're going to launch soon. Uh, uh, they might have launched it already, but I know that they had a pure wrestling uh, tag team matchup where you got three rope breaks. But in this one, the uh, the contestants have five seconds in the ring to do double team maneuvers on people, and then that person's got to get out. And if they don't get out, they get disqualified. Nice, that'll be good. I I, I love it, and 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 that again is the sports based presentation of it. Right. That's why I've always said Ring of Honor, man. That's such a different wrestling product in the fact of. It's old school, but it's new school. Right. Like it, it's with all the athleticism that you see from the young bucks that you see in AEW, you see in high flyers and everything, but it's not overused to the point where it's not believable. Exactly. At least in my opinion. I mean, you know, you could probably go out throughout Ring of Honor's history and find some matches that are that way, but a lot of it's not, it, 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 in my opinion. That's just my opinion. You know, people could argue with me, but I absolutely love this matchup, dude. Matt Seidel is amazing in the ring, and Jonathan Gresham, um, he's definitely going to be a face for Ring of Honor for a very good while. Um, pretty much kind of like Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. I agree. Uh, in my opinion, which um, – you know, spoiler alert for everyone on that one, but <laughs> right. Um, I can't wait to see that matchup, and uh, I can't wait to see uh, Gresham versus Lethal. As well. uh, I think it's going to happen. Um, um, so the next thing we're going to go into, uh, so uh, so Jay Lethal defeats David Finley. He will go on to face the winner of the Tracy Williams Fred Yehi match. Oh, that's right. That's right. Jonathan Gresham, uh, he defeated Matt Seidel here. He will go on to face the winner of Josh Woods and PJ Black. Yep. Um, and we will be covering those in subsequent episodes. Uh, we have a lot of cool stuff coming up. We just talked about how we're going to cover AEW Revolution. Uh, we talked about we're uh, – so this is something we haven't revealed – but uh, WrestleMania weekend, we're going to do our top five WrestleManias. It will be interesting to see what we can talk about there and what we can cover. Um, I'm very excited about it. Very excited to keep going with RH period. But we have a ton of content lined up for you guys. And let's not forget that as soon as it starts rolling, 
We are going to start covering Dark Side of the Ring. We may have something really special lined up for you guys for Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, we've got a couple other pet projects that we want to do. Um, before we get out of here, Caleb, thank you very much for being on here with me each and every week. Uh, now, we mentioned earlier the Stovall Network. You got anything going on in terms of wrestling? I know you guys are in the middle of a rebuild over there. You're kind of reconstructing some things. Yeah, I'm uh, uh, hopefully fixing the launch soon. Um, I don't have an exact date yet, but more info will come on this one. But I'm fixing the launch, uh, a little show that's going to feature uh, me covering the Monday Night Wars from start to finish. That should be excellent. I can't wait to listen to that. I'm going to yes. be putting a lot of miles on my car over the next month and a half, so I'm going to be on the road a lot. <laughs> it will be great to hear that. Uh, I know you will be too, uh, and and I, I want to give him a shout. I'm not just wearing the shirt. By the time this airs, uh, here shortly, for about a month, I am actually going to be the co-host uh, on Superhero Homies. Uh, the homie Kevin is taking some time off. I'm actually going to be over there. Uh you know, pretty much every episode. So uh, I always encourage everyone to give them a listen anyway. But, uh, you know, definitely if you want to follow me over there, uh, follow me over there, check me out while I'm the co-host and stick around after I leave. I'll always be back. But the content over there, if you're into Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, video games, any of that stuff, if you're into any of that, uh, definitely check them out. It's a ton of good content. Uh, Caleb, Thanks for being on with me. Absolutely. You know I'm always down to talk about some wrestling. Exactly. Some pro wrestling. I don't have the sound bite. Uh, right. I have to get that from Dickens. It's copyrighted. Uh, and <laughs> once again, as always, this has been an Evolved Review. <laughs>